Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 69 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. Um, my name's Scroobius Pip, and this week's guest is Kurt Sutter, and we had such a good long chat that it turned into a two-parter. So, um, yeah, that's fantastic. So, as ever, the first part, which you're listening to now, will have gone up at midnight, and we'll put part two up at, uh, um, at midday. So, check that out and enjoy it. Before we get into it, um, I should mention Speech Development Records. Well, that's my label. And by going to speechdevelopmentrecords.com and buying stuff, you're supporting the label and supporting the podcast. Obviously, we've got the secret podcast uh, merch, which you'll hear about in a minute in the uh, placed advert after the intro. Um, But yeah, you can buy loads of stuff there for Christmas. We've got new jumpers. We've got new bobble hats. We've got all sorts of great stuff. Um, I won't go on too much. Speechdevelopmentrecords.com. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, last week's guest was Chris Jer- 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 Jericho, and that obviously went absolutely mental because he's a legend of wrestling. So it was great um, to chat to Chris. It was great to uh, to get the response from all you guys. As I, I mean, as I gave the tour dates, there he's on tour. So this is yeah, his, his tour started today or tomorrow. So check him out all over the uk all the all the podcast dates are on there but this week's guest was kurt sutter the writer of the shield sons of anarchy southpaw and the bastard executioner which um is my acting debut on tv so it was exciting to talk to him and we got so into it. he's such an interesting guy so we had to split it into two parts so, so this first half we get into a lot of his um we talk a, a, a bit a, a bit about the bastard executioner um, a tiny bit about sons and the, but then we more get into his upbringing um g- growing up in in new jersey then uh, when he moved to la how he got into writing how he got into theater and and drama and all this kind of thing his i mean we talk about his addiction um we talk about a lot of really interesting stuff and we were so getting into all of that that we'd done like an hour practically b- b- before we'd really got to talking about Sons of Anarchy and everything else. So, yeah, that's what this half is. And then in the next half, in fact, I'll tell you about the next half at the end of this half. See you in a bit. Enjoy. This is Kurt Sutter on the Distraction Pieces podcast. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. These are good mics, man. They're not bad, are they? Yeah, yeah. This is my whole setup. I've got my, my big heavy mic stands, which right. everyone mocks me for because it's far more than you actually need for this. But right. I like to be, be kitted up. That's good. It's it's uh, uh, who I did. Oh, I know. Um, you know Jay Moore. Yeah, I did his podcast. All right, yeah, yeah. and he, he's kind of the same thing. He's, he's, he's it's good to have a good, yeah, a good. Pro setup, yeah, yeah. It just comes with a little kit and went to my house. Like, oh, all right, that's easy. I set up quite quick. I mean, as you saw, I've, I've started yeah. recording now. Right. But as you saw, I was setting up as we were having conversation. Right, it was right. all unnoticed. Yeah. I'm, I'm a pro at this now. Yeah, you're good, man. I'm joined by Mr. Kurt Sutter. How are you doing, man? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm good. Um, we've just come off the back of of the bastard executioner, yeah. and I don't want to jump straight to that, but right. I do need to ask how you are because that was intense, man. That was an intense. You're you're yeah. in it in heavy prosthetics. Yeah. You're writing. You're just so 
involved in everything. So how are you feeling now? It's it's wrapped and you can uh, breathe. I'm good. I'm good. I have uh, all I have to do. I have to do a, a couple. Um, uh, I'm still doing some post on the last episode and, yeah. and uh, some I have some sound mixes to do. But otherwise, uh, yeah, it's uh, the lion's share is all done. I'm I'm good. You, you know, it's been. I came onto this project while I was still finishing Sons. Yeah. So it's hard to gauge how this individually has impacted me in terms of you know yeah. damage because I started the writer's room on Bastard about three months before Sons ended uh, and not more exploratory and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and breaking story and research, not so much intensive, you know, day to day. So there really wasn't uh, a break between shows. And, and then uh, this was a challenge for me physically, just because I don't like to leave my house. Yeah. <laughs> so never mind, leave the country. Yeah. For ex- extended, extended yeah. periods. And jumping back and forth. And, you know, I made, uh, we're in London now. I made, uh, you know, three, four trips out here just to scouts and meeting people and yeah. hiring people. And, uh, and then once, uh, I brought Paris Barkley on board, uh, uh, you know, then I felt a little more comfortable and, and uh, like things were going to be under control. And um, and then we, we they signed off on it and they liked the script and we went forward. And uh, um, But I'm good. I, I really, um, it's been an incredibly satisfying experience for me in yeah. that uh, it was uh, a risk in terms of it was a risk for everybody, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, Network FX really hadn't ever done a, a period show like this, and, and I certainly had never written a show like this. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a huge difference from Sons, from Sons, I mean, in every way, yeah. from that being in LA, in modern times, in, you know, all, you know, so familiar, I guess, in in, yes. in, in, in that manner, and to the audience, are so familiar. So, t- yes, the, the, the kind of your next project from that. Being in West Wales yeah. <laughs> and South Wales and and yeah. and, and medieval yeah, and yeah. so yeah, definitely tense. was uh, you know I'm uh, uh, you know we write what we know and and uh, I I tend you know my lion's share of my career has all been urban you know yeah. and uh, uh, and and fairly dark and and uh, and mostly the crime genre and yeah. and I love that you know I, I yeah, love yeah, yeah. you know um, but uh, you know spending seven years on the shield and then coming into Sons I creatively I just couldn't uh, jump into another crime genre like yeah. I couldn't do n- not necessarily not that I was looking for a period piece um, yeah. but I knew I didn't want to do yet another cop or criminal yeah. or outlaw. I, I, I mean, I, you could legit get away with a lot of crime right. because of, because of everything you'd written about and yeah, learn on that. Yeah, so, if you wanted to go and do some crime, you could. But to write more on crime at that point, I'd imagine yeah, yeah. it's a hell of a push. If you've done, as said, the, the, that long on the shield and then straight into Suns, it's yeah, you're going to run out of stories and and, and yeah, wrangles exactly. with the law, I guess. And and I felt like not that uh, I was worried about things getting derivative, uh, uh, but I was just. I, I uh, quite honestly, I just needed a 
palate cleanse, you know. Mm. And uh, um, and then this project happened with Brian Grazer, and and it it evolved for me the way all the best work I've done evolved, which is I never planned on doing it. Yeah, like I never really planned on doing Sons until I met with John Linson, who had you know this notion of doing an outlawed a family drama in the outlaw biker community. Yeah, yeah. And I was always fascinated with the subculture I ride. And suddenly I was like, Oh, that's cool. And, and, and from that was able to sort of create this big mythology, which as a writer, I love to do. And, and that evolved into sons and, and, and bastard happened the same way. I had no intention of writing a medieval drama, you know, or, or had, you know, uh, an, uh, an, uh, a yearning to write about an executioner, but I, I met with Brian Grazer, who I adore and, and had so much respect for. And, um, I, you know, he was fascinated by this idea of a best of, a, of an executioner. And yeah. we started talking about that character. And, and I was, again, like with sons, I was given carte blanche. It wasn't like, here's the character. Here's the story. It was like, here's the idea. Go, go and do something. And yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's what I, you know, it's the blessing and the curse of, I'm giving you nothing, but with that comes no rules, no boundaries, yeah. and and that's what I love. So, I, and from that, the idea for Bassett Executioner came in. So it, it felt very organic, and and that's why I didn't mind jumping right into it because it felt like, oh, that's the way I like to work. Yeah. You know, I don't, you know, it didn't. I don't really plan a whole lot. Things sort of happen. Or well, the excitement. Uh, uh, when we first met earlier in the year and you were uh, were telling me about it, a lot of the excitement seemed to be the fact that there was so much history that yeah. you could now draw from yeah. and delve into and just do just lose yourself in this amazing histories of uprisings and revolutions and, and, and backstabbings and double crosses and everything there that, again, that must have been so exciting when you'd done one particular g- genre and yeah. style, you'd gone into it so much. You'd, you know, yeah. you'd really almost run that well dry from what you could could even research yeah. anymore. Yeah. So to have that suddenly, here's hundreds of years yeah. of, of stories and tales to, to yeah. draw from. That's so true. And, and uh, yeah, I remember we were, that day we were talking, I, I think I had, uh, uh, you know, I'm a history guy and, and uh, I, I, I mean, I love history. I love mythology. It's what I like to write. And, and uh, I cut all my Western Civ classes in college. And so, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. when I had the opportunity to actually learn it, I was like, fuck this. Yeah. And, uh, but. It's um, always the way, though, it, man. It, right, when it's right. something that you're in, doing off your own back, right. there's so much more fun. If you're being told to learn this, you're like, fuck you, I ain't learning this. Yeah, I'm book. You're yeah, to learn yeah. something else. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, but I became fascinated by the Plantagenets and that whole era of, 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 of English rulers who were not of English. English descent and yeah. how desperately they were trying to hold on to the reign of England. And, um, and you know, you read that mythology and if you ever pitched some of those stories to anybody, they would say, oh, that's too crazy. That's wild. Yeah. No one ever believe it. I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, it, it happened. So well, yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, not to, to, to get political now but it's so relevant at the moment with all the stuff that's going on with immigration so many people don't realize how little english is in the history of england if you know what i mean this we are a country that was always a, a through path a route for uh-huh. for so many cultures right. and, and religions and right. all sorts that we've always been a big mixed breed of of, yeah. of many different things it's never been 
British people in Britain. It's like, as, as you said, the, right. the rulers were coming from, from France, from Germany, from, you know, all these different mm-hmm. areas. Well, you know, it's like when, when a chapter in, in your, uh, uh, in your history begins and ends with conquest, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, in fact, when we were in, uh, when we were on the show, I was giving, uh, I was giving somebody shit because they were, um, uh, one of the actors who's a Brit was coming down on, on the Welsh guy because of his dialect. And, and I had to point out to him that actually, um, Welsh is the original, you know, Anglis yeah. language of the country. Yeah, like yeah, everybody yeah. spoke, that is yeah. the, that is, you know, the, the original dialect of, uh, and, and language of England. It's then when the Normans and the, you know, when the Anglis yeah. came in, that's when they, they, Shunned that and 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 you know it became the English language it's, it's, became it, English. It's so. one of the reasons that Welsh is so protected by the Welsh. I, yes. had, I had a guy, Hugh Stevens, on who's a DJ over here, and he's got a record label that they release only Welsh language yep. stuff. Yep. And there's Welsh language, Welsh language festivals and things mm-hmm. like that. Where it's and gr- gr- growing up, I didn't know. I was like, "What? Calm down." What's the, you know, I didn't know why it was being so. And then you realise, like, no, this is this is English history. This is. Yes. history of the whole country right. rather than just of this this small section yeah it really is it's it's the um uh uh there's a the uh, the welsh language and and i forget there's another um uh uh not dialect an actual other language yeah. that yeah. is similar but they were the original languages of 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 what we understand to be england yeah. and uh, uh so, which is also why it was shunned and shut down because it was seen as uh, uh, dangerous, yeah, and and I think that's why. And I don't, you know, I know somewhat of the the rise of all that in in Wales. Um, uh, you know, the Welsh uh, government and the uh, creative board was so fucking embracing. There, it was yeah. it was so wonderful to work with. But it was really was about not just preserving Wales. It was really a sense of no, you don't understand. This is the history of. England, yeah, you know, we're preserving something here that's part of England, not just part of Completely. our little rock and, over here. And anything I, I like that with a language, as you kind of touched upon there, it would have been actively shut down at the time because that's the language that the rebellion essentially were yeah. talking, or your enemy were talking. So you don't want people talking in that language because mm-hmm. number one, it shows right. the past, right. and number two, they could be planning shit. Yeah, <laughs> they could exactly. be up to anything. I don't understand what they're saying. Understand. Only speak yeah. English, and that's yeah. why it. Th- languages can be killed so much right. in, in times like that, times right. of conquest and times of that's of rule That's like super that. interesting because I think um, that, uh, uh, you know, if people don't know, if anywhere you go in Wales, any um, public business road sign um, built, you know, everything yeah. is uh, in both Welsh and English, mm-hmm. you know, and the, it's everyone uh, learns a raf. Yeah, slow is this just because yeah. it's on every road? Yeah, you just, it's, you know. it's, it's there. And uh, um, but the interesting thing about that is, and, and I think it speaks to not to get philosophical, but, but I think it really like that notion just bleeds into every culture and every generation, which is why, like in you know, in, in the states, it's there's such a um, uh, you know when you when you're when you're out with someone and, and, and someone starts either, well, not so much in Los Angeles anymore because we are mostly, you know, we're, uh, the actual, um, Latino demographic is, is, is 
higher now than than yeah. than the white and the black yeah, yeah. demographic. But the there's that sense of uh, you know people get uptight when people are speaking another language, yeah. and I think it's uh, I think it's all that that fear of what are you saying? You know, what, what, what are you, what are you you talking about? So it's not Not understanding. Yeah. yeah, It's not even so much an inconvenience as I think it strikes some primal chord, which is like, you know, what's, you know, uh, there's something, there's something afoot, you know, what are they, there's something going on in my surroundings that that, that I can't observe. I can't take in. I can't understand. That's scary. Yeah. It's all fear based. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But that is definitely, you know, and, uh, uh, I, I was talking to, a um, uh, a friend of mine the other day, and we were when my, I was I was t- told you earlier. I, was, I took a, a little sojourn to um, to Venice for about eight yeah. days and to decompress and uh, 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 and Venice, Venice, not Venice Beach. This, no, you know, not Venice it, Beach. It, no. Again, I was confused yeah. in one of the conversations. Yeah. I think Stephen and, and, and Katie were having on set, and they were talking about Venice. I was like, "Yeah, it's lovely." Then I was like. That, that, no, that not that Venice, yeah, yeah. The, the Venice in LA. Right, okay, cool. Yeah, I, I yeah. get you. <laughs> no, the the, uh, uh, the the you know one one does not decompress in Venice Beach. Yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, but uh, no, in uh, in in Venice and. Uh, 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 we were talking about, uh, you know, cold, and I don't know Italian, and and, uh, and you don't really need to, but yeah. uh, uh, but we were talking about um, um, B- Barcelona, and I said, you know, and and I and I believe this is is true. I don't think this is just myth, but that the the lisp in Barcelona was because there was a king who had a lisp, and he oh, literally, wow. uh, and and I'm sure I'm bastardizing history, so forgive me, Spanish people uh but uh uh but there there was a, a young king who had a a, a, a with her cleft palate or something but he yeah. had a really bad lisp and so that the barcelona he literally <laughs> changed the phonetics of the language That's so amazing. that everybody so that he you know he, he spoke the true language yeah and that it just you know and then it just uh uh, over the years, became the dialect of Barcelona, and to have that kind of power, but but to also that sense of you know, I don't want to be the odd man. I don't want to be speaking differently. Yeah. You know, so just yeah, just make look, everyone that way. You look at the things that have impacted language and and what changes, and and you know, it's the thing I love about Europe that you just don't get in the states is that you know whether it's London or. or Paris, especially, you walk down a street in Paris, and you can just, you know, by just the architecture, you can go, okay, that's when that invasion happened. That's, yeah. oh, that's that influence. You know, it's like, and it's so fucking just such huge history, such amazing history, and you, and that is impacted, you know, culturally, artistically, politically, and yeah. absolutely. Through language, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. you know, like I love the idea and I, and, and, um, uh, you know, in the States we have obviously dialects, you have, you know, uh, uh, you know, East coast dialects and Southern yeah. dialects, but out here, the, like the, the, the dialects from neighborhood to neighborhood, as far as Cockney and, uh, uh, Newcastle where yeah. uh, Charlie Hunnam was from and, yeah. and that they're so distinctly different and, and in such a small space and again such a small space we it's so hard for english people to comprehend that and it wasn't until i toured america and realized that 
when I was two in the UK and moaning because we had a, th- a three-hour drive or a four-hour drive that day in America, it's like, no, you've got a 12-hour drive today because that's how big, um, yeah. so the spaces are that much more. So to us, driving all the way to Newcastle, that's right. so far away. Right. That's a tiny distance. And then you get the variation, you get the, the Midlands accents yeah, along yeah. the way. And the, and the, the, the combinations. Yeah. Of, yeah, it's really it's really wild. And and uh, and not just, I mean, I guess in there's a diff, there's different rhythms, I guess, in, in, in American dialects too, but thing i love about here is that it's not just different vernacular in terms mm-hmm. of words which is part of the deal mm-hmm. um obviously it's pronunciations or, or dropping or final consonants or um but also it's just got completely different rhythms yeah. and different speeds and yeah. and and uh, uh uh the accents are on you know on, on to me on on words and parts of phrases that just don't make sense yeah, you know and completely. it's it's you know it's just it, a, it, it makes it that bit more fascinating because like there was um i took a guy called G- gister on on a couple of shows with us he's a a, a, a rapper from middlesbrough which is just near uh, newcastle right right and the first time i heard his stuff the thing that excited me was i'd never heard that accent rapping oh wow and and the flows and and and, and, and the came, syllables and sounds through in the rest it's yeah, fantastic yeah. Wow. and it was like i'd never heard anyone able to rap like that because that's not how i say that uh, that word right i, I, I can't right. use that particular rhythm because i don't say that word in that way and it was just those slight changes i was like this is amazing this is exciting. Where, where are you from you're from um, i'm from essex essex so or my family from south london so i've got a mixture of south london east london kind of and right. essex is generally a bit east london and, right and that kind of way accent wise because your dialect is sharp it's yeah. um it's you know but it's it's distinguishable yeah. you know what i mean yeah and i'm sure it's been you know like we all like a, i had a heavy jersey accent when i first came to la yeah. and i had to get rid of that some of the, some of that obviously for acting but um uh but i i go home and my sisters are still back in in new jersey and yeah. and and i i hear it and and if i'm there for you know over a week or two I'll come back and my kids will notice it. Yeah. Just certain words. I've, in the, in I've, I've kind of, I've told this before, but I kind of had the opposite. I lived in the, in the Midlands for a year. I was studying uh, and where's, photography where's the, and film. So Midlands? it's kind of in the middle. So Birmingham um, and Wolverhampton. Right. So on, so about halfway between here and Newcastle. So I that's guess. about two hours out? Two, yeah, about yeah. two. T- okay. T- a two, two and a half hours. Right. Um, and I lived there for a year's, studying photography and film studies and my accent got stronger there and it felt like it was a defense mechanism like i came back home oh i see and people were like you're not that cockney or not that because i'd be oh. i don't know but I, I guess the two or three other people i hung out i met up there that were from down south right. were quite proper south london kind right. of more geezery and again i came back home and my mates were like that's that's not how you talk. And I was like, only slight changes. Oh, that's but interesting. So you gravitated towards that to distinguish you. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, interesting. I guess so. Yeah. So let's talk about um, um, growing up in, yeah. in in New York. You grew up in 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 New York. Is that where you studied as well? And I grew up. Yeah, I grew up in New Jersey, which uh, about forty minutes outside of the city. Yeah. Um, you know, suburbia. Uh, it was um, part of that post World War Two culture where. Um, uh, uh, you know, towns were sort of springing up within major cities. Yeah. You know, we had, uh, I always, my, my, you know, badass fall to is that I grew up in the shadow of Rahway prison. Oh, wow. Uh, which is, is true. Yeah. I grew up in, I grew up in a town called Clark, but I grew up in the border between Clark and Rahway and, uh, Rahway state prison, which now is New Jersey 
correctional or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that's where they did scared straight. And, and, yeah. uh, uh, but I, you know, it was five minutes from my house and, uh, um, and it was, you know, suburbia and, and, uh, it was a, a fine place to grow up. Um, but very, very, uh, homogenous. Um, uh, a lot of people that are born there don't leave there. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, and Again, I, it's a big criticism that the the Brits and, and, and Europeans tend to have of, of Americans is some stat somewhere of, ha- of how many haven't got a passport. And again, that can be a problem when you're staying in the same place. But also, I feel America is so vast and varied that you can travel a lot and not leave the country. Right. You know I mean, so people just saying, oh, these Americans have never left the country. It's like, well... How often have people from England been to Greece and you know tra- right, travelled right. around th- I, that much? But right. yeah, you, no, get, I, you do get that as well, just staying in that same town. And- yeah, but I think that's interesting because the thing I love about being out here is, you know, again, being able, you know, I took a train to Venice to be able to hop on yeah. a train and go, you know, you can be much more international out here yeah. just because of the exposure of it. And also, I, I think it's a cultural thing that I find people out here are because... Th- they are on the same landmass. There's um, there's so much more cross culture going yeah, on, and yeah. and and there's no sense of weird isolationism. Don't forget, I'm in a, you know America was you know for the longest time was all about being uh, an isolationist, yeah. like being its own superpower, yeah. being its own entity. Completely. I think that's sort of bred into the USA culture. number one. Yeah, it's sort of like we we don't need anybody else, yeah. and 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 I think it's why. You know, there's a there's that sense of, of 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 maybe it's nationalism, maybe it's pride, but I also think it's just fucking ignorance and fear. To yeah. be honest with you, and and uh, um, but uh, or, or I, John Oliver um, on on his air show recently summed it up perfectly of saying that Britain is the America of of Europe, and we are we are well, that I one that's, that we've it. always had that kind of we're Britain. We, you know what I mean? So, yeah. but as oh, soon as I started to tour mainland Europe, <laughs> it's the American. That's yeah, fantastic. it's yeah. kind of is. But as, yeah. as soon as we started to tour a mainland Europe, you do as exactly as you said there. I remember one day where we were in three countries, yeah. like within a few hours of right. each other, because yeah. we were having to get from one to the other, and this point was just through yeah. from Belgium through Germany or, right. or whatever. Yeah. And it's like this is amazing. Yeah. At points we didn't even get. And he checked. Do you know what I mean? We just drove right. along a road and suddenly like, all oh, right, I'm in France now. Yeah. I guess this, yep, the yeah. signs are French now. That's, that's cool. Yeah, it was cool. That's amazing. It was cool for me taking the train. It's one of the reasons why I wanted, I actually took the Orient Express because I always wanted to yeah. uh, uh, do a, uh, be on a train with a sleeper car. Yeah. And, uh, you know. And, it's legendary. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, I've done it once, and now I'm quite okay. Uh, <laughs> you, they are very small, and uh, yeah, they're uh, kind of it's 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 shooting a coffin along some metal tracks at yeah. great speed. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of it's it's a disturbing thought yeah. when you actually take away the the beauty and mystique of yeah. the Orient Express. Right. <laughs> but uh, the thing that was fantastic about it was I would just go and and uh, uh, and grab a coffee and sit in uh, uh, one of the uh, bar cars and. Uh, and that's what I loved about it is that, you know, um, you, you take a train to, um, uh, to the channel and then you take the channel. Um, they, they literally, it, it freaked me out. They, cause I'm a little claustrophobic. They put you in a, you take the English Pullman, a uh, lovely train, uh, old train to, uh, um, uh, to the border. And then they, they could put you in like a, a bus, you know, and yeah. you, and, and then the bus, and I, I'd never been on the channel. I never knew what to expect. And we get in the bus and we get in 
we ride in the thing, and I was like, well, you know, when do when do we get off the bus? And no, no, we stay in the bus. Just and they sit. just put you in the car, and then they close it in. Yeah. You're like, okay, you drive I'm, the bus into the train, yeah, and, and like, then the train goes into the tunnel. The tunnel, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so I'm in a con- confined space that's in another confined space that's driving through a confined space. Yeah. So I'm that's just sort of like, combination. I'm just like, okay, don't snap yeah. and kill the old people from. <laughs> You know, <laughs> Illinois that are sitting next to me. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, uh, but then they put you on the on, on the uh, the uh, uh, the Orient. They put you on the, the Orient Express. And um, but the thing I loved about it is that you know, and I didn't sleep much because there's like fucking bunk beds. And yeah. uh, um, but you uh, uh, but you drive through and you you know you go through France and you go through the countryside and you go through Belgium and you go through the Swiss Alps and mm-hmm. it was sort of like. You know, and and I took some pictures, but I was really like, I was so, I didn't want to be the dude on my iPhone. Yeah. Just taking, I was like, I was just sort of like, just fucking take it in. Yeah. You don't need to, you know. I'm a a big believer of that. I got to the point where when I travel a lot, I take, I try and take some notes, but not take too many pictures. Because the fact is, on Google, there's going to be a brilliant picture of that place, but you're there now. Right. So it was more important to just, experience it and right. I said you know it's just for memory go oh this right. is what this church was or whatever else but that's great you're that's not going to really get a better smart. picture than the yeah. amazingly shot picture right right and yeah right. it feels at points that we that we go places and even more so with Facebook and checking in and where else are we go places so that we can tell other people that we've right. been there exactly. rather than going there and experiencing it yourself right. and that's right. what I think the overtaking of photos becomes of going look I was here right it's like you could, like, I would have believed you if you told me. You yeah, didn't have yeah. to get a, a photo around to prove that you yeah. were there. Look, I was definitely, this is right. This is where I was, but yeah. Yeah, and what was going on around you when you were there? Well, I, yeah. I was taking a picture. Uh, I was, I was taking a picture. <laughs> so I, was, I tried to not, I took a couple to send yeah. my, my I have a, I have a, an eight-year-old back in, in, yeah. in L.A., so I wanted to sort of let her know where I yeah, was and great. why I wasn't at home. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, uh, but that was so amazing to me, like being able to go, oh, I've never been through Switzerland, you know, mm. and then uh, um, and then uh, uh, coming into Italy and, and then, you know, taking the, uh, the, uh, the thing I loved about Venice was uh, it was just walking, you know, yeah. and water taxis. And it was, yeah. it was amazing to be on an island and not see a fucking car or even yeah. a motorcycle because the stairs you can't really yeah, drive, yeah, you know. Yeah, so yeah, just yeah. to be someplace without that external stimuli, yeah. Because I would be walking in, and it it almost took me a minute to realize it that I was walking, and I was like, why am I so chill? Like yeah. why, you know? And and I was constantly lost because I'm I have you know I have no navigational skills whatsoever. I mean, you know. A- a being lost when you've got time to be lost is an underrated yeah, thing. No. It can be a great thing. I think, again, with Google Maps and whatever else now, there's yeah. such an urgency to right. know everything. It's like, if you've got the time, there's right. nothing wrong with being lost at all. Well, the great thing about Venice is because they're alleys. They're not really streets. Yeah. Google Maps, and nothing is useless. It's, it's, it doesn't know where the fuck you are. Yeah. Right? So it's sort of like, oh. But it was so great. <laughs> I love that Google Maps is like, I don't even know. Yeah, it's sort of like, like, you're on your own, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just enjoy yourself. Uh, you're, 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 you're on that. You're, there's a blue dot you're there somewhere um but uh, because the great thing about venice is and uh uh and my wife sent me this little passage about 
she was looking at Venice uh, a few years ago. She took the kids to Florence, and and basically it says that you will get lost. You will eventually retrace your steps and figure out where you yeah. are. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. You're like, oh, because I have I have no sense of direction, but I have a I have a really good memory in terms of landmarks because it's yeah, the yeah, only yeah. way I can survive. Yeah, and uh, and by like the third or fourth day. I kind of knew, like I, I didn't. I stayed away from the tourist areas. I went to the university area because that's where most of the locals were. Yeah. That's where the cool shops were, and I would just take a water taxi there every day and 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 pretty much kill, you know, ten or twelve hours just sort of Amazing. walking around. I did a lot of writing when I was there, um, and uh, uh, and just you know ate um, unbelievable food, but. Uh, yeah. uh, I don't. We were off on a tangent. That's perfect. Here, but, no, no, yeah, no, that's that's perfect. So. You found that, you know, relaxing, inspiring to get writing done. You had the opposite in New Jersey. You know, you didn't have that. You had very – or where you lived was very self-contained. Yeah. But I'd imagine, again, being in the shadow of a prison and being everything else, what kind of led you towards a writing? You you studied uh, journalism. I did. I knew how was – you know, what – was it always a – an urge to go towards some kind of writing or some form of outlet, or was that just what was available? I think so. I think that you know, I, um, uh, you know, I, I, it was, a, it was a, you know, it was a love, it was a lovely place to grow up, and it, it was, um, and I had great parents, and you know, they did everything they could do, <laughs> and uh, but I was, I, you know, I was, uh, um, you know, even at an early age, I was sort of, um, uh, uh, I was a, a really. Uh, uh, obese kid. I was morbidly obese for most of my uh, younger life. And, and, and as a result of that, I tend to isolate and be on my own. And, and I think because of that, there was always like my imagination, you know, when you're either, and I wasn't an only child, but I was the youngest and my, and my sisters are, are four and six years older than me. And so there wasn't really a lot of sibling interaction. And, uh, um, uh, so I was sort of always kind of on my own in my head and, and, uh, and I'm kind of a big dreamer. And, um, so it's not like I had uh, at a young age, a sense of, Oh, I want to be creative, but I, I just, you know, had this sort of big, uh, uh, imagination. And, and I think I always had a sense of, uh, of needing to, be someplace else. And, uh, and you know, some of that is not a good thing. Some of that is just not being able to be in your own skin. But, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up there, you know, uh, uh, I had, you know, 12 years of Catholic schooling and I I joke that bastard executioner is my, my, (laughs) how I'm working out my 55 years of Catholic angst and, uh, um, and to a certain extent I am, uh, uh, much to the chagrin of some critics, but, uh, um, uh, but, uh, uh, I went to, uh, undergraduate at Rutgers, which is a, a, a state school in New Jersey and, uh, uh, studied, um, uh, I, I'd started acting in high school. Like that was my first time I ever sort of ventured into any kind of social dynamic. Yeah. And, uh, um, and I really loved it. And, uh, it, it's like, I, it's, you know, how your kid, like with my kids, it's like, it was always about finding something and it didn't have to be a career choice, yeah. but finding something that, you that gives you esteem, whether it's academics, yeah. whether it's sports, whether it's music, whatever it is, you need to find something that you can own and be passionate about. And regardless of wherever it takes you, right? And yeah, uh, it feels good t- to be 
good at something, but also to be getting better at something. Yes, yes. So, so not just, oh, I can walk into this and it's great, that that feeling of, right, I can do this, but I can also work harder and there's a path here yeah. of some way. Even exactly. if it's a, a short term, I can get that role in the school play or right. I can get this next year or whatever else. And I just find if kids don't have that, it's when they tend to get lost yeah. because they, you know, as as human beings, we need something, whether it's family, you know, you, you know, for whatever that reason, you, you need the thing that makes you feel part of and, and, and that you're contributing. And so for me, it was, it, it started like in June, it wasn't until like almost junior year in, in high school that I, yeah. Oh, that's cool. And, but I, I never had a sense of making it a career because I didn't, you know, not that my parents discouraged it. They, they were post-war generation. It was about fucking survival. It yeah. was about go out, get a job, settle down. You know, it was... And I mean, it's understandably and incorrectly, in my opinion, seen as an almost unimaginable thing. Exactly. And it, the thing that I've found through a, a lot of these podcasts is the realisation that a lot of people think, oh, I'd love to be in film. And you only think of actor or right. director or right. any... It's when people tend to sit down and go, oh, there's thousands of jobs yeah. in all of this. Yeah. That, you know, even if I'm not doing that one, I can be involved in right. this and I can find the one that I'm great at and passionate right. about. And But yeah, it's very easy to go see a, a billboard or a big screen and go, oh, you know, okay, I can't that's, that's yeah. not realistic. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my, if, you know, it's equated to, you know, um, you know, we, well, I, you know, I want to be president of the United States mm. while here, you know, it's, it was sort of that kind yeah, of pipe yeah, dream. Yeah. Uh, so I went to school and I was studying at Rutgers. Um, uh, it was a, technically it was a journalism, mass communications and, but, um, uh, I had watched a ton of film. Uh, I had a set my, like, you always had to have two majors and, and I had my second major was English. And, and, uh, so I did, you know, I studied a lot of film and, when I got out, uh, my original plan was to be a, a copywriter. I wanted to write, uh, you know, um, ads, and uh, yeah. uh, and um, I sort of had a flair for that. And and uh, but I I at that point I wasn't passionate enough about that to drive me through, you know, because being a copywriter is as competitive as being any other kind of creative, you know. And I didn't have the passion for it to get me to the next place. But the only thing I really had that kind of passion for at that point was acting, and uh, so I uh, uh, I moved to New York at like nineteen and and uh, studied with a woman, Catherine Gately, who became a mentor of mine, and yeah. uh, and and was in New York for uh, you know uh, probably about five or six years, and uh, studying and doing a lot of bad theater and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and doing some writing then, but not a lot. Like yeah. that wasn't even though I had always. Uh, you know, I, I joke now because it's the only uh, it's the only um, Emmy I've ever been nominated for was songwriting, but it's really the first thing I ever start, ever yeah. wrote were lyrics. Yeah. You know, and never you know I don't play an instrument, but I I, I have a good sense of, of, of meter, and and uh, I've always written songs, and uh, yeah. but um, uh, so I I went to New York, and then I came out to went out to L.A. to be an actor, and and. You know, I love Los Angeles, and I consider it home. And uh, how did you find that kind of that arriving in LA, and and maybe where you know you'd kind of said you'd grown up somewhere initially that you felt a lot of people don't seem to leave, or you felt very isolated. Right? Did LA feel like home immediately, and did you kind of feel you found your place, or was I, it more of a? I, I loved it. I um, yeah. I was working in New York, um, you know, waiting tables and. Um, selling drugs and, um, <laughs> you know, the things we do. And, uh, yeah. uh, and, um, 
uh, and then uh, I, uh, I bought a motorcycle and I took a motorcycle cross country to LA and uh, um, you know in my uh, Kerouac phase and uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and it was fantastic and I loved Los Angeles I loved the uh, you know because in LA it's everything is so spread out and and um, you know I, I have such a vivid memory of driving um, through uh, uh, parts of Arizona and um, uh, I took the southern route through Oklahoma and 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 I stopped at one point because I came across this like planes you know along the highway and it just looked like a, a John Houston fucking set yeah you know? and I'd never seen yeah, a yeah. desert I'd never seen you know and I it was just it was and you know traffic's fl- fl- flying by me as I'm parked on the shoulder and and this is before cell phones. I wasn't taking pictures. I was just sort of, uh, and I was sort of in awe of it. And uh, just taking it. In. Yeah, you know, it's, I, it, it's it's one of my slight worries of 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 the advancement of of, of technology, and that there's 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 fewer things like that that are going to take you back like that. Because obviously, yeah. you will have seen some kind of photos of it, but exactly. not really taken in. But to be in those places, right. to stand there and go, oh shit, this is yeah. I Look mean, at this. Being a kid of, you know, I, I grew up in front of a TV and, and movies, and, yeah. and uh, so that was my only uh, exposure to any of that stuff. So it, it was, feels like you're walking into it. Yeah, it was, I'm standing in. Yeah, there. it was really amazing, and uh, and so I still to this day, the desert is one of those places that yeah. that uh, uh, that settles me. I, I, I love it, and uh, so um, you know, I, I I came to LA, and and uh, uh, you know, you do what you do. I'm attending bar, I'm, I'm auditioning, and. Uh, um, uh, it, uh, my, my sense of timing with acting has always been bad, though. I literally landed in L.A. during the first, the tail of the first writer's strike, and there was right. fucking nothing going on. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I, yeah, I, I made a, you know, I, I found a good group of friends and, and, uh, um, uh, and was there, you know, for, for a while. And then um, uh, it was in L.A. that I got, uh, that I sort of, um, uh, uh, was becoming aware of my perhaps substance abuse issues and, uh, right. and tried to clean up on my own a little bit. And, um, and then, uh, it's a place that tends to, to bring it out of people. If it's there, it's kind of, that's where it will come up in your life. Yeah. yeah. It, you, it, as we, I mean, we were discussing before we started, it can be a bit of a, a badge of honor in LA now to be, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, yeah. I'm dealing with this, but I think, yeah. I think it's because of that. It'll either, it's somewhere that will send you, one route or the other. Yeah. Either you'll go down and it'll yeah. be bad, or you'll, you know, right. you'll have that support and that or that right. prompt to go right. I'm, I need to, right. I need to deal with this. And I think it's also because it was for me, you know, even though I was on my own in New York and stuff, I, you know, I had family that was always, you know, trained right away, yeah. and they saved my ass many times yeah. and bailed sure. me out. And and out there, I, I really didn't have that. Not that if I was in trouble, they wouldn't be there, yeah. but it was just sort of I. It was really about oh, I'm this is my home now and, and I'm out here alone and, and yeah. you know, it's a different head. And, uh, um, and then eventually I, I, I realized that I, I love, you know, acting. I love the arts and, uh, um, and then I, my plan was to go back and, and, uh, teach and direct. And, and I went back to New York uh, with my mentor, Catherine, and, uh, studied with her again as a teacher wow. and, uh, was teaching the uh, Meisner technique in New York for a couple of years and directing plays at the Nathorn Theater. And, uh, 
And then, you know, I had no really designs on going back to graduate school. Um, I had thought about it early on. and uh, But then Catherine um, got offered a master teaching position outside of Chicago at uh, Northern Illinois University. And they were bringing a, a new um, uh, arts program out there. And uh, yeah. uh, and she kind of took me along with her. And, and I was able to go. And I got pretty much a, not a full ride, but nearly a full ride to get my MFA. And uh, oh, wow. so I went back, to, you know, to Northern Illinois, to beautiful DeKalb, Illinois, which uh, uh, is a fan. It was, it was so fucking perfect for me because yeah. I don't like a lot of stimuli. And had I been like in Chicago proper, I don't know if I would have gotten the same education. Yeah. But in DeKalb, it's just the school and corn. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking it, you know? Yeah. And uh, so you're really isolated, but it was fantastic. It was so, yeah. it was the first time as an actor and as an artist, I really, um, you know, because living was really inexpensive. I had some, I had a couple student loans, so I didn't really have to worry about surviving. Yeah. And, you know, I was just immersed in, you know, in, in, in theater and, uh, and the arts 24 seven. And, uh, um, you know, it was a three year program. I, I sort of did it accelerated just because I had a lot of other, uh, professional experience I could apply to yeah. credits and, and, uh, and was there, uh, for, uh, uh, you know, got my, uh, my MFA there and, uh, um, but it was just such an amazing experience. Yeah. And, and that's to, have, to have that much focus and so few distractions, oh, so I think. Um, great. I think addiction is a word that is used a lot and it's a scary thing. But I think addiction, it depends what you're addicted to. Yeah, addiction yeah. To, to, to substances or whatever, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Addiction to, 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 to art, to, mm-hmm. to study and to... I think most of the people who... Or a lot of the people who have achieved great things whether it be in business, in film, whatever, are addicted to, to what they do, to yeah, their work, yeah. to what they do. And, you know, that's a key to it. It doesn't have to be this, you know, yeah, the you, dirty word. You have to be obsessive, and I yeah. definitely have an obsessive all-or-nothing personality. It's just choosing the right all-or-nothing. Yeah, you yeah, know? that's the tough and one. sometimes I make the right choice, and sometimes yeah. I don't. But, uh, uh, but I definitely, I loved it. And, uh, and it really, when I was exposed to the people that influenced me creatively in terms of... Uh, um, and not to sound pretentious, but like I, I love the uh, uh, the poetic realists, you know, like yeah. Janae and and uh, Strindberg and, yeah. and Ch- like those guys um, just really sort of spoke to me and, and influenced me a great deal. And and that's really when I first started writing uh, was in grad school and um, you know completely unproducible plays. <laughs> and uh, 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 and um, uh, again, there's an art in 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 reigning in your right in for it's beautiful it, you know it's it's artistic merit and right. it's actual r- realistic merit yeah of kind of, it, that's it's, a great that's it's, a great it's yeah. kind of easy at points to write something that's so artistically perfect but no, no one other than you is ever going to want to see that <laughs> yes. and rightfully so right you know so it's finding that balance of, of well of, of stepping off a one pedal slightly and the great thing about you know and, and some of it is just is sobriety as well but you know um learning to trust and but also the greatest you know the fact that i'm a writer is so antithetical to who i am as a human being because yeah. the idea of draft yeah. doing a draft of something was just inconceivable to yeah. me. it's like i did this you're either gonna <laughs> fucking love it and if you don't, it's a piece of shit, and I'm never going to write again. That, oh, that was my approach to anything I did. I always remember when I first started getting a bit of, of a name on, on open mics, just just doing spoken word and poetry and stuff, and 
I, it become a, a joke for me because because so many people who had been educated in this and I'd, I'd had no education and it's it would be getting I'm going this is a, a first draft of a new piece or whatever and I'd start so many of mine like that and then laugh again no I'm fucking with you yeah, yeah. I've written it down it's finished that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it it's done there's, yeah there's no first draft if I'm saying it to you now yeah that's, that's it that's it that's yeah. that's the first draft that's the finished draft right and uh, <laughs> so to me that was you know that was just <laughs> that in itself was huge and uh, yeah. um, but um, man, uh, you chose a t- you made a terrible choice of career there because this, this is what it's all about. It's, it's all about right. So, <laughs> um, but um, you know, so I I I, uh, I started doing uh, 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 you know sort of writing there, and, uh, um, and then um, I met uh, my the, the woman I was my first wife I married mm-hmm. uh, met when I was in grad school, and and then came to uh, L.A. and um, uh, how was it returning? Like, how did it feel? A different because it was something you'd found an instant love for. Yeah. Yet you'd also found some demons and some darkness there. So. Yeah, I think it was you know for me when I came back, uh, 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 Laurie, my my first wife, who's uh, you know was just a wonderful girl, and uh, the marriage was ill timed and, and and didn't work. But uh, you know she was also uh, uh, we were very similar, and she was a, 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 a an actress and, and writer, and, and who had you know sort of channeled that into um, uh, uh, public relations and and mm-hmm. and, uh, and and a lot of uh, community activism and stuff and um and she was from a very you know socially active family and um so i came when i got out of grad school i i she was working in denver and i went to colorado um uh for about uh for about i don't know about a year and uh colorado's a beautiful beautiful state and denver's a lovely city but it's it's very um it swings very uh to the to the right, a little too far to the right for right. me. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I never quite felt comfortable there, and uh, plus, I, you know, I don't. Not being a drinker, everything in Denver is centered around beer. So yeah, uh, it's like yeah. everything. It's like oh, some fest, and uh, yeah, yeah. so uh, and we both knew we and she grew up in L.A. and loved Los Angeles, and her mom was there, and uh, so we came back to L.A. and uh, 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 and um, so when I came back, I came back. Uh, with her and, and, uh, and, and it was, it was great. We, you know, we, uh, I really, um, you know, I, I, we had, we were renting a house, uh, off of, uh, off of Melrose and, uh, uh, you know, towards, um, uh, uh, east and, uh, um, right outside of Hancock Park. And, uh, so that was lovely. And, um, but it was really, um, interestingly enough, uh, you know, as the marriage was sort of un- unraveling a little bit, and it only lasted about a year, but yeah. that's really um, it was interesting because I was sober then, and there was a sense of, uh, you know, I was I was really in a dark place because I I feel like I've you know I felt like I destroyed her life and, right. and I had so much remorse about you know yeah, yeah, wanting yeah. out of the marriage and blah 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 um, that I really. Um, uh, it was one of those things where I had, uh, it was, you know, it was a precipice in terms of, you know, what, what am I going to do? And, and, and I realized that the only option I had was some sort of creative outlet, you know? And, uh, and I had started writing a little bit more then, and I really just 
put all my energy into that. And it's one of those things where I always remember those awful corny quotes that you get when you're studying to be an actor or a teacher or a mentor will, you know, yeah. quote, you know, Strasberg or as a young student, you just lap it up. And then like, you know, a few years later, you're like, ah, that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. one of the things I remember, uh, I think it was Meisner that said that you, you can only be an actor if there's, um, and I'm paraphrasing terribly here, but the sense of it is you can only be an, an artist if there is absolutely nothing else you can do. Yeah. In other words, if, if, you know, if there's some other escape route, if there's yeah. something else that you get esteem from or do, you know, that it's not going to work. And I really, I, I, I realized I reached that point where it's like, I, I, I don't, you know, I had a stack of resumes of, of every other fucking job, you know, cause I'm, you know, I'm a survivor. So I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm half bright, so I can usually figure shit out. So I had so many other gigs to survive that I could do, you know, enough to get yeah. by, but it's nothing that I, I ever had the, the, the desire or the energy or the passion to, right. to it, make a career. It gives you that breathing space, which is in a way or what you don't want. If you've got something to fall back on, then you're going to f- fall back. Exactly. I think yeah. is the, yeah. is, is, I always remember it's, it's the reason I quit my job working in a record store. Cause I was like, because I've got this regular income, I'm doing a bit of music on the side and right, all this. Right. It's like, right, I'll save up a bit and then I'll quit. And then the music has to work. Yeah. And that's it. That's all I've got now. I've yeah. not got, I've not got the job that's just keeping me yeah. afloat. It's like, right, this has to be, yeah. and, this has to be. And it. you, and it's not even, you know, there's a, there's a pressure to that, but there's also a certain amount of freedom, yeah. you know? And, uh, um, so I really got to that place where I was, um, I was making, I have my buddy of mine who's still my kids, uh, godparents, um, uh, Christian, uh, Barcellus and Lisa were, were dear friends of mine in LA. And, and he at that point was working, um, uh, for, uh, Bravo and, and, uh, uh, that corporation and, and really, you know, kept me afloat. I was writing one minute bumpers for like yeah. interstitials for Bravo that, you know, basically kept me alive for a year and a half while I was yeah. trying to write. And, yeah. and I did, it was the first time in my life that even as an actor, you know, you know, you're waiting tables, you're tending bar, you're going on audition one or two a week and you're doing like a play. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, um, uh, 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 it's a difficult way to be an artist, yeah. you know what I mean? Because your, you know, your, your energy and your, and your, your psyche is being split in, yeah. in so many different directions. Yeah. And that's essentially having to be a, a part-time artist because yeah. you're having to switch it off to do yeah. these other things. That are- and, uh, and, and especially if, you know, for me, it was always like, I always had that niggling kind of self-doubt, like, uh, well, I, you know, if that all goes, to, I, I'm, you know, I can't really do that. I can't really do that. But writing was the sort of one thing where um, I, I had written a script, uh, Delivering Jen, which I s- still hope to make at some yeah. point. But it was it was one of those, um, you know, what I consider to be kind of a, a um, you know, a, d- a divine gift in that um I wrote that after the marriage ended and uh, uh, my dear friend, Nicole Clemens, who was my agent for years, who is now a, an executive at FX, ironically, yeah. uh, is um, sort of walked me through that process. And I generated the script that was that was good, you know, yeah. and uh, and that got me a lot of meetings. And it for me, it proved to me that I had some skill and some talent and some passion for this. And then, you know, I wrote five or six screenplays after that were that were garbage but yeah. i knew that 
it was sort of like, had I not written that script first to give me some sense of, oh, okay, I can tell do, you this can I, go somewhere. I, I, to I can make, do this, yeah. you know? And that's why I tell my yeah. kid, you know, my kid, my kids who are, you know, my stepkids who uh, are musicians and actors and, and, uh, and my son, uh, uh, who is a really super talented musician and, and really a talented songwriter. And, and, you know, I, I see that in him. He'll, he'll, he'll write a song and he'll put it right up on, on, uh, you know, on SoundCloud. And, and, and if it doesn't get, you know, the respect he thinks that you yeah. take, you know, like there's that sense of this is who I am. And, and, and then, and, and again, that's starting and all oh, it's crap is, so, you know, and, and I, you know, all I can do is because I know what that head's like, and, and yeah. you can't shift that. But completely, but completely. trying to trying to deliver that sense of or to convey to him that there is no bad draft. You know, what I mean, yeah. there is no bad song. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I use fucking Springsteen as my model for that because you know Springsteen just has that huge binders and notebooks of lyrics yeah. and and of songs that he n- never you know, recorded or, and, and uh, maybe even never even showed anyone. But when I write a script, that's awful. There's always something in that script, either a character, a piece of dialogue. And simply the, the exercise of writing and completing something is huge. Again, people forget that the brain is just another muscle and it needs to be exercised. It needs to be worked. So Mm -hmm. even if you're, even if what, even if you spend a week writing and all of it is garbage, Mm -hmm. then, that's fine. You've been writing. You've been engaging in yeah. that practice. Yeah, it's the uh, you know what doesn't work essentially. Right, you know? right. And you're right. It's actually it's all that. It's the it's the it's the discipline of doing it. It's the it's the 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 things you learn from doing it. Um, and and I always find that there's something you know. Um, you know, I always cannibalize scripts that I've never, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. you know, I'll write something and I'll be like, ah, that's crap. But I love that piece of dialogue or yeah. that's an interesting or, turn of character. Or Introduction, which is the song that, that, that Charlie Hunnam first sent to you, I believe, of mine. Yes, yes. That was exactly that. That was loads of lyrics I had left over or, you know, the, the bulk of it was mm-hmm. a load of lyrics I had left over from other stuff that hadn't quite worked. Right. And I kind of started to put them together and make something new and it became one of my most successful track so it's exactly that it's that that was probably i could have just thrown away the song that had one line in it that Mm -hmm. i've now used in this but yeah yeah it all comes together it it really it really does and uh uh we should tell people that that um uh when i was in london i uh you know charlie who's uh i adore and and he was doing uh i was doing prep work on on bastard and uh he was uh starting arthur and uh uh I'd see him all the time because he he'd go. I was staying at the Charlie Street Hotel, and and he was uh, working with Guy, yeah. who has a flat in in uh, in Vitorovia. And um, we were talking about music, and and he had mentioned you, and and uh, uh, and sent me the track, and and I fucking you know I love. I mean, I love words, and but I just I loved uh, I loved your energy, and and I loved your look, and and uh, and I just sent you. I think I just sent you a, a DM or something saying, "Hey, I think Charlie, you, you know." You, I, I I remember it, it clearly. Because I just I'd only met Charlie like once or twice at this point, so I'd just started right, right, working on right, right. on Arthur, and I noticed I think I had a notification that you had started following me, and I sent a, a you a DM to say, you know I'm a I love Sons, right, right. also a huge a fan of the Shield, right. and you know just 
right, cheers, right. Uh, nice to meet you. Right. And then we started talking from yeah. there, I guess. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, you know, for the blessing and the curse of social media, it is, I've met, like, it's how it's I met Ed, things. it's how yeah. I met Sharon, you know, it's like, it's yeah. one of those things. And, and I feel like, you know, because um, uh, for me, it's never about schmoozing. It's always like, uh, it's it's an opportunity to um, f- be sincere and go, oh, yeah, dude, I fucking love completely. you. Or from hearing everything you've said so far, you're similar to me in that I'm no good at, I don't go out to clubs and the right parties to meet people yeah. and to network. I can't do that. <laughs> but I've learned that on social media, I can. Yeah. You know, yeah. if there's people I appreciate, I can engage. I can do, you know, it's that great. I think mm. it's amazing for that, which is kind of perfect for artists because a lot of artists are that way. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't do the bit, right. you know, it needs to be an agent over there right. doing the schmoozing or right. talking. Whereas, yeah, yeah right. you can meet right. people in that manner. Right. That's how I, and that's, you know, we're, that's how I met, uh, I met Kat because yeah. I, I was looking Same. for an artist and, and, uh, uh, and, you know, she, she, she could never watch Sons. It was way too violent. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 but, um, uh, but yeah, I, I've met some really lovely people that way. And, uh, yeah. uh, but, uh, I, 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 I digress, but yeah. I, I just, no, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there's tons more I want to talk about. Okay. So I'm going to make this a two parter. Oh, okay. So we're just going to continue now you in sure? real life. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be but bored? but okay. for everyone listening, I want to get, get into obviously the shield and right. then sons right. and then bastards. So right. we'll stop this one now right. and part two will be out later okay awesome you've been listening to Scroobish Picks Discretion Pieces there we go See, it, clearly the two of us could talk for hours and hours and hours, and we do. In fact, generally when we have a two-parter, the first part is longer and the second part's a bit shorter. It's the opposite this time, because we'd talked all this much and we hadn't really got onto all of his TV stuff, his amazing his amazing breaks and, de- and developments there. Um, tell some amazing stories about Southpaw, the, the, the film. Um, you really need to hear that. But that'll be up at midday, so... Check that out. Um, what's going on next? Um, yeah, that's on at midday. So subscribe, download, tell your friends. Um, I don't need to, t- to talk that much here. I'll see you in a bit.